Hi gang, thanks for downloading this classic episode of News Fighters. Just a reminder, if you're looking for new original episodes of News Fighters, they're now over on the Irrational Fear podcast feed. So search for Irrational Fear on your podcasting app or go to irrationalfear.com for all new episodes of News Fighters. In the meantime, enjoy this classic News Fighters episode. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sands Pants Radio, Australia's most American podcast network. This is News Fighters. So you don't have to. With Dylan Behan. Yes, hello, fighters. Welcome to News Fighters for today, May the 20th, 2021. How's everyone doing out there? Hope you're keeping warm. Winter has arrived early here in Australia. It's getting a bit chilly. And isn't the year just flying by? Time flies when you're producing a weekly comedic look at the big stories in Australian news media and political hypocrisy. And it's presented and produced by me, Aussie News Comedy Editor Leprechaun, Dylan Bain. I am, of course, talking about this podcast, News Fighters. This week, I take a look at Anthony Albanese's budget reply speech. Fun, fun. And I also chat about Southeast Asia returning to lockdown with Singaporean comedian Rishi Budrani, live from Singapore. But first to the tragedy unfolding on the other side of the world. Australia is out of this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Boo, hiss. Singer Montaigne performed her song Technicolor virtually earlier this morning. It is the first time since our debut in 2015 that Australia sadly has not made the final. Yes, for the first time ever, Australia did not make the Eurovision final. I'll tell you what, I hope our government takes up this grave injustice in Brussels at the next meeting of the EU, which we are supposedly a member of because Australia's in Eurovision. For some reason. No, seriously though, of course, the tragedy I was referring to in the bait part of the bait and switch of that joke was the flare-up of violence between Israel and Palestine, uh, which is happening at the moment, which led to this on the weekend. An Israeli airstrike brings down a building housing international media in Gaza. The building housed numerous international media organizations, including Al Jazeera and the Associated Press. Hit by Israeli airstrikes, the high-rise housed Hamas's television channel. Yes, the Israeli military are targeting rocket attacks on TV channels, to which Australian Defence Minister Peter Dutton said, oh, we're allowed to do that? We, we can do that and get away with it? Great. What's the, what's the address of the ABC again? Yes, and on the topic of Australian politics, last week's episode was on the Australian... Spendathon. Spendathon. Spendathon budget. So I thought this week we might have a quick look 
at the official budget in reply speech from Labor leader Anthony Albanese. Now, for those of you who don't know Albo, as he's called, he's very well known for constantly mentioning his humble upbringings in every speech. I grew up in public housing, I'm proud of it. I grew up in public housing. I grew up in public housing in Camperdown, the son of a single mum. I was raised uh, here in Sydney in council housing by my mum. So, right, here he is, the budget in reply speech, possibly the biggest political speech of the year. What's he going to open with? I called the leader of the opposition. My fellow Australians, I grew up in a council house in Camperdown, the only son of a single mum. Bam, yes, just like Outcast, if they were to open with Haya or Cold Chisel with K-San. He's leading with the hits. He's giving us that sweet log cabin story right at the top of the set list so we can all get home early. Good stuff, Albo. All right, first up, the Conservative Coalition government's budget on the Tuesday was basically a Labor budget. They funded aged care, they funded childcare, they funded the National Disability Insurance Scheme. So at the budget reply speech, Albanese largely had nothing much to add except for this new housing policy. I'm proud to say that Labor in government will create a $10 billion Housing Australia Future Fund with the annual investment return to build social and affordable housing and create thousands of jobs. Yes, $10 billion for affordable housing. Now, if I just plug that into my uh, housing price calculator here, ooh, 12 studio apartments in Sydney. Good job. No, seriously, though, this uh, being an investment in social housing for poorer Australians meant that Scott Morrison was, of course, against it. The Prime Minister contrasting it with an ideological difference. Investment in social housing versus... The Menzian mission of home ownership. Driven through programs like Home Builder. We're not saying, sit down, we'll do it. We'll say, we'll stand next to you and we'll do it together. Yes, what he's basically saying is, we'll stand next to you while you can't afford anything because only 1.2% of rentals in Australia are affordable for someone on the minimum wage and 0% of rentals are affordable for someone on the disability support pension or youth allowance. Not to mention that to afford an average Sydney house mortgage, you need a household income of 170 grand a year. I mean, it almost looks like Scott Morrison views housing as a get-rich-quick scheme for his mates instead of a basic fundamental human right so you don't freeze to death or get rained on. But hey, what would I know? The only other big policy announcement from Labor in the budget reply speech was this. My Labor government will establish the Startup Year program to help drive innovation and increase links between universities and entrepreneurs. But it turns out this wasn't a new policy, as the government liked to point out. Recycling will also figure, not as a policy, but a practice. Recycling Bill Shorten's 2015 innovation policy, providing start-up loans to 2,000 student innovators and even recycling the name, Startup Year. Imagine the lack of innovation it takes not even to be able to come up with a new name for the old policy. Yeah, how dare Albo recycle one old policy? Meanwhile, the coalition only have one policy they recycle over and over again. Tax cuts. Tax cuts, less tax, lower taxes. In the end, Albanese also got a bit reflective. Mr Speaker, every one of us hopes to grow old. Yes, Albo, but unless you figure out how to attack the Conservatives while simultaneously winning over financially precarious younger workers and fiscally conservative older Australians, you won't be growing old in the lodge. You'll be growing old. In a council house in Camperdown. Okay, now let's check in with 
the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes, comedy gold, I know. Now, at the beginning of the year, I joked, let's make this the best year of the pandemic yet. And well, let's check in with the head of the World Health Organization to see how that's going. Trust us, the worst is yet ahead of us. Hundreds of thousands now dying is serious. Yeah, thanks to the uplifting news, Tedros. Sadly, he's right, though. The worldwide seven-day average of COVID cases is at an all-time high right now of over 700,000, and deaths are also near an all-time high of about 12,000 a day. But that's only the cases we know about. With the virus out of control around the world, Scott Morrison has, of course, decided our best defence is to keep the borders closed, with last week's budget assuming we're not going to open up until the middle of next year. So does the pressure to reopen the country's borders. The federal government assumes that will happen mid-next year, the Prime Minister making no apologies. I'm not going to take risks with Australians' lives. Except, of course, if you're an Australian stuck in India, in which case, no, sorry, it's illegal for you to leave the riskiest place on Earth. So yes, here in Australia, you'd presume that everyone would think it's a good time to get vaccinated, right? Almost a third of adult Australians say they're not likely to be vaccinated against COVID-19, according to a survey commissioned by the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. Well, of the 1,600 Australians polled, only 22% said they were very or extremely likely to get vaccinated. A growing number of older Australians are reportedly hedging their bets, delaying getting the AstraZeneca jab in the hope of receiving the Pfizer shot later on. Yes, I spoiled Aussies living a COVID-free lifestyles are starting to treat the vaccines like it's an iPhone update. Oh, I think I'll just wait a little bit longer for the bigger screen and the wireless charging, you know. Hey, it's not like an iPhone update. No one's ever wound up on a ventilator in an ICU waiting for the latest iPhone. Though I'm sure some teens probably feel that way. Us being a nation of uh, backpackers and travellers, I just assumed that Aussies would like the borders to reopen sooner rather than later. Then I heard this. The latest news poll out this morning shows that over 73% of voters believe that the border should remain slammed shut until at least the middle of next year or until COVID is under control globally. Only 21% of people believe that the opening of the border should be in line with when the vaccination rollout is complete across the country. Yes, 73% of Aussies don't want the borders reopened until COVID is under control globally. I mean, I... I must be the only person in the whole country who watches the SBS World News. It's a disaster out there. Even Labor's Bill Shorten is struggling to understand the vaccine hesitancy. At the end of the day, I would just say to people who are weighing up getting vaccinated, why, um, you know, if we all want to go on a vacation sooner or later. And um, if, if not for you, why don't you get the jab for your grandma or grandpa to keep them safe? OK, or how about we give grandma and grandpa the jab first? I mean, the rollout in aged care homes still isn't complete in Australia, not to mention in other high-priority groups. It's been revealed that just 4% of residents in disability care have so far been inoculated. The Morrison government has so far vaccinated more uh, politicians and Olympians uh, than it has disabled people. I mean, that's just shameful. But here's an idea. How about to save doses... We uh, just double up and send our politicians to compete in the Olympics in Japan. I mean, Scott Morrison once did a hike and he seemed as fit as any Olympian. You know, if they're working at Rio or they're working with Twiggy or someone like that, they don't want to be singled out. So in conclusion, our vaccine rollout here in Australia is an omni-shambles. But 
How's it going over in America? Good evening. Are you ready to lose the mask? In a turning point of the country's pandemic response, the head of the CDC announced late today new guidelines that allow the fully vaccinated to leave their masks off in most settings, outdoors and indoors. Geez, well, these vaccines must be pretty effective at stopping the spread of the disease. What are the latest stats on that uh, Australian president of AstraZeneca, Liz Chatwin? Both the Pfizer and AstraZeneca vaccine have shown to cut transmissions by up to a half. So that's households that have been vaccinated versus those that haven't have reduced the transmission by 50%. So after looking at what's happening in America, Scott Morrison's thought bubble for the week is, hey, maybe vaccinated people should be allowed to travel freely. And uh, we are working on plans, as I've said many times, working on plans to enable vaccinated Australians, firstly, to be able to travel around Australia and be able to move around when states from time to time might have to put restrictions in place, but also potentially to travel overseas and have different quarantine arrangements on their return with the sign-off from state chief health officers. And of course, look at other travel bubbles, uh, with Singapore in particular. They're all vaccinated, then obviously the risks are a lot less. The head of Australia's second biggest airline was a bit more morbidly honest on what opening up the borders could mean for Australia. The Virgin Australia chief executive says Australia needs to learn to live with coronavirus, even if it means more deaths. Virgin CEO has courted controversy while calling for Australia's international borders to reopen before mid-2022. Jane Herdlicker said, once the population is vaccinated, COVID will make us sick but won't put us in hospital. Some people may die, but it will be way smaller than with the flu. Yes, American-born Virgin Head Herdlicker stirred controversy as she prefers we don't lick herd immunity before we're licking our herbed fingers on food overseas, grandma's health be deferred. Scott Morrison thought it absurd. You know, I regret that those comments were somewhat insensitive. Somewhat insensitive. Yeah, sorry, ScoMo. Wishing people die isn't so much insensitive as, as callous. You know what's insensitive? Insensitive is like the vagueness in your eyes, you know, your casual goodbyes, the chill in your embrace. That's, ooh, insensitive. Guitar solo. And look, it's a complex discussion we're going to have to have. Australia's basically painted itself into a corner here with our zero tolerance policy for COVID cases and deaths. Perth heading into a five-day lockdown after a hotel quarantine security guard tests positive to COVID-19. I mean, we're going to have to accept the fact that at some point, Australians are going to have to do the mental gymnastics to go from one case equals a citywide lockdown to, oh, my neighbour Jim's in hospital with COVID, he never got the vaccination. Anyways, yes, Virgin Boss Herdlicker wants us to get overseas ASAP, but don't hold your breath to be drinking some poisonous methanol from a bucket at a Phuket beach party anytime soon, as in the last couple of weeks, many of our nearby neighbours in Southeast Asia who'd previously kept COVID under control are now facing serious outbreaks due to these more contagious variants and are again locking down. Malaysia announced a new nationwide lockdown on Monday. Thailand has reported a record number of new coronavirus cases with almost 10,000 infections in a single day. In the Philippines, hospitals are overwhelmed by the latest surge with total infections there topping 1 million. Vietnam is preparing to go to the polls this weekend despite a growing COVID-19 outbreak. More than 180 new cases have been confirmed today. Hang on, what the hell? Communist Vietnam has elections. How the hell does that work? Let me look this up here. Oh, right. They only have one political party. Well, that makes things more efficient, doesn't it? Anyways, if you're wondering why you haven't heard about these uh, overseas outbreaks 
taking over Southeast Asia. It's because, well, the Australian media has had much more important issues to focus on right now. One AFL fan has been caught with a very unusual game day snack. The Port Adelaide supporter brought Wheat Bix, the entire box, to last Saturday's game between the Power and Western Bulldogs. He then proceeded to eat them dry straight from the box. All right, so Wheat Bix stories aside, uh, our neighbour and previously the world's best country at beating COVID, Taiwan, is currently facing its worst outbreak yet. Once seen as a pandemic, a success story, Taiwan is now grappling with its worst outbreak. More than 700 community cases have emerged in the past week. Taiwan now in talks with vaccine donors after its largest outbreak of the pandemic. Over 330 local transmissions prompting school closures in the capital. And if you're wondering why Taiwan is so desperate for vaccines now, well... They were very much like Australia. No one was in a rush to get vaccinated. They were like, ah, we got no, we got no COVID here. We'll be fine. Everything's fine. And then there's Singapore, which like Australia has largely been free of COVID for the past year and was next in line for us to have a travel bubble with. And now, instead of being inundated with bogans thinking they're in Bali... It's facing its first lockdown in a year. Singapore is entering a month-long lockdown after a rise in mystery COVID cases. Dining in at restaurants has been banned. Employees must work from home and social gatherings are limited to two people. And it's not just in Southeast Asia. Our Pacific neighbour of Fiji is facing its biggest outbreak now since the pandemic began, largely thanks to the new B1617 variant being imported from India. Over 300,000 residents of Suva and Osori are in lockdown for four days as cases of COVID-19 continue to rise. People in Suva are scrambling to buy enough food to last the lockdown, which begins at 11pm. No one will be allowed to leave their homes with a strict 24-hour curfew in place until Wednesday. Geez, a 24-hour curfew with nobody allowed to leave their house for any reason? This is the most horrible thing Fiji's had to endure since... Scott Morrison went barefoot on the footy field there, being a water boy. Prime Minister Scott Morrison has taken in some rugby league on his trip to Fiji. The Prime Minister's 13 cruising to victory. The Prime Minister is happy. He's on the park. Does he want a pair of boots? That's why he's here. Is he the water boy now? Yes, Scott Morrison, the water boy. Funnily enough, he does actually have a lot in common with the Adam Sandler movie character from The Water Boy in that whenever he goes out in public... People shout mean things at him. Bobby Boucher was a lonely boy, constantly tormented by everyone. You're not welcome, you fuckwit. The Water Boy. When I come back, live from Singapore, comedian Rishi Budrani to bring me up to speed on what's going on over there. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, now on Newsfighters, we're crossing live to Singapore, where we're chatting with one of the country's top comedians. He's toured the world. He hosts his own online show called The Rishi Report. Here he is, Rishi Budrani. Rishi, thanks for being on the show. Now, how are you going over there? What's what's happening in Singapore right now? 
Hey, uh, Dylan, thanks a lot for having me, man. Uh, I, uh, I I don't know. I, I think we are uh, in a situation where we kind of were almost a year back, a lot of the uh, the jokes that I wrote a year ago. Uh, <laughs> again, I'm thinking, yeah, I, oh man, I've written this before. I have talked about us going on lockdown. I have talked about how my hair looks like shit because there's no like hairdressers open. <laughs> I have talked about how parents are, you know, suffering because there is a work from home and home-based learning, which is yep. just, you know, a, a battle they're fighting on their own. But uh, I think uh, we are currently in a an enhanced restriction phase where okay. um, there's no dining in allowed outside. People are being encouraged to stay home. Uh, you can only visit in groups of two mm-hmm. wherever you go. Um, it, it does feel like uh, it's a step back from where we were maybe a month ago where I was doing like, you know, live shows with full houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's what's going on, man. We we've had a spike in cases over the past mm-hmm. week or past two weeks, and uh, the government's trying to nip it in the bud. So is it a lockdown here? The the, the Australian media is saying Singapore's in lockdown, but I feel like you guys don't like calling it a lockdown. Last year you called it a circuit breaker, right? Yeah, you just don't I mean, like that is, term. <laughs> I well, hey man, I don't even like circuit breaker because yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a farce, right? Yeah, right. But uh, we're not even calling this the circuit breaker because technically it is not the most restrictive lockdown version right, right. of things we've had. Uh, there is some uh, flexibility now. Businesses are open, but the irony is that people are being encouraged to stay home. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of people like retail stores keeping their stores open and going like, wait. You know, why, why are we remaining open when you are obviously telling everyone not to come out? Um, yeah. So there's the sense of that, but it's not a full lockdown. Uh, students mm-hmm. are re- required to work from home. Uh, whoever can work from home is, you know, required to work from home. But the <laughs> swimming pools are open. Oh, wow. Hey. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think, I think governments all over the world are just trying to catch up with what's going on. And obviously, there are some lapses. Obviously, not everything is 100% figured out. Uh, but everyone's trying their best. Uh, I think Singapore and Australia are very similar. We, uh, Sydney, at least. Melbourne had a second wave, which was quite horrific. But Sydney, we had one lockdown about a year ago, six weeks, seven weeks, not long. And then everything's basically almost been back to normal since. And that lockdown was probably similar to yours. You know, the IKEA was open and the government said, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't go to IKEA. So the media mm-hmm. was like, why is the IKEA open? They're like, oh, oh for essentials. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, you, I mean, you you need those meatballs, right? Exactly. I don't know. They're essential. <laughs> is that a is that a big thing in Australia as well? The Swedish meatballs from IKEA. Oh, we love them. We love them. Oh yeah, yeah and the okay, hot dog, the good. two dollar hot dogs or whatever they are. Yes, and the the the, the softy ice cream as well. Yeah. Is that yep. okay? That's good. Oh yeah, no. Uh, IKEA is Dylan, worldwide. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you just said that you know things went back to normal for a while. In yes. Australia. Yes. What I mean, what what was normal? In Sydney, at least, everything's been open. The gyms have been open since last June. Movie theatres. I think we uh, all the musicals, the theatres opened up. I think they're back to 75% or 100% capacity. Comedy. I was in Melbourne for the comedy festival. It went back up to 100% capacity. Maskless. Wow. A month ago when I was down there. Maskless for the yeah, audience. Yeah. For the audience, wow. yeah. They wow. did the first week or two in masks. What about you guys? So you've been out doing comedy gigs, but the last year, have they been... Did they just start it up again? Was it and everyone had to wear masks? Yeah. Well, we we kind of started opening up sometime in October last year, where they started releasing information that okay, live performances are going to be allowed, but with a masked audience. Okay. And uh, you know, it started with twenty five percent capacity, and then it slowly increased to fifty percent capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
And that's when I started like producing gigs again. Like my first, uh, the comeback, we call it the COVID comedy comeback special <laughs> where uh, I got the comedians together and uh, we had uh, a run of like five shows in December and January. Mm-hmm. And we had full houses, all shows, full houses in, I mean, according to like the 50% capacity. Back 50%, then. yep, yep. Yeah. And uh, it was amazing, man. I mean, the, just the joy of going back to the live crowd, albeit everybody was maskless, uh, uh, was masked, oh, sorry. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, the theater is not full, but there's still a sense of, of, um, of, of, of being able to do what I've been doing for 10 years, you know, mm. on, a, on a weekly basis or sometimes a daily basis. Mm. Um, and continue producing all the way till just the 1st of May, which was the last show that I was allowed to do. Uh, and by then we had like pretty good audiences, but uh, I don't know, maybe it was just in the nick of time because after that, things started going south. Similar to news fighters, we do like we mm. started doing this uh, the Richard report from from this very room. You know, this mm-hmm, is the room mm-hmm. that I spend a lot of time in after my wife starts kicking me out when she gets sick of me. <laughs> right, so I just bought a bunch of lights from China and I turned it into a little studio. And the challenge was like when we started doing live shows, the last thing I wanted to report on my show was a cluster at my live show because that was yes, yeah, yep, 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 disastrous. So we were always very. Uh, pretty strict about the guidelines and making sure that, you know, everyone can watch safe shows. Um, yeah. Now, unfortunately, that's, it's going to be a while before that happens, I think. Yeah. So tell, tell me a bit more about the Risha Report. So did this start during lockdown last year? It started as a, as a YouTube show and then it became a live online show and then you did live with audience. Yeah. Is that kind of what happened? Exactly that, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it, I'll be lying if I say that the, the whole COVID situation inspired the show because it's something I've been sitting on for a couple of years uh, we had planned to launch on 1st April 2020, and uh, we did that. And then on the 7th of April, we went into this circuit breaker mode, and then I had to shoot from home uh, on my iPhone to start with. <laughs> it was a, it was a bit of a nightmare, but it got me through. I think it kept kept me sane the whole uh, last year, man. I yeah, mm. I think mentally, if I didn't have the show, I would have gone a wee bit nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and and how and how's the response been? Is there much of a? I, I know a little bit about Singapore's comedy history, but is there much of a, a history with uh, with satire there or doing news comedy? How did how did audiences find that? Yeah, there's not been a show like that ever. I think, especially not in um, the online space and the live uh, theater space. Mm-hmm. There has been TV shows which obviously have their own set of restrictions, you know, because you know, there were famous TV shows that tackled news issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one called The Noose that lasted over, I think, seven seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, again, was something that uh, is, is a bit watered down because it's on free-to-air, state-owned network TV, right? Gotcha, gotcha, uh, yeah. I guess the benefit we've got is that, you know, we're uh, doing the show live. I'm not, at the moment, answerable to anyone, Uh any sponsors we've had that have come on board have understood the content and have uh, supported it wholeheartedly. They've not had, you know, conditions to go like, oh, okay, you know, we're going to give you furniture, but you can't talk about the government like that. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, oh, yeah. Anyone who's been on board has been pretty cool, man. And, and is, have, have you felt any self-imposed restrictions? Like here in Australia, you know, we love... We love poking fun at our prime minister for wearing a dumb hat or anything, stu- you know, just poking fun at him relentlessly. I get the feeling maybe Singaporeans are a bit more restrained in that respect. Um, maybe maybe traditionally. And I think it's also, it depends on the medium. Uh, mm-hmm. So like I said, you know, if you're on free-to-air TV or if you're on radio, then yeah, there's certain things that 
if you want to keep your job, you probably wouldn't go down the road of because even your yeah, audience yeah. wouldn't wouldn't take too well to it. Gotcha. But I I think the live comedy space, the live theater space, that's actually you know if you if you ever get a chance, I hope you do come to a live show in Singapore. It's actually pretty alright, man. Like you learn so much about the country, you you learn so much about um, you know the news, the current state of affairs, the current state of you know race relations, political relations. Um, so. I think, uh, yeah, it's it's. If you've not been to a stand-up comedy show in Singapore, then you won't know how liberal uh, the the scene actually is. Uh, I feel like Australians and Singaporeans have a lot in common, uh, and it's showed during the pandemic. We're but we're all very compliant with the rules. In Australia, they change the rules on masks every every week or two, so we're always confused whether we have to wear masks or not, which is weird. Um, have you noticed any any funny anything funny happening uh, during the past year? Like, are people religiously following the rules a lot? I saw maybe someone got in trouble for not wearing a mask on the MRT there, or are people are people like no, keep your distance or anything like that? There, people being very rule abiding. Okay, well, here's the thing. I got to be upfront. <laughs> I think Singaporeans are the biggest complainers in the world. Right, you know, like we. I mean, I'm. I'm not saying the rest of me, uh, myself included. Right, we are actually in a decent spot. But if you talk to any Singaporean, they'll make it sound like they're suffering. You know, like you know, people are. Oh man, we are in a tough spot. But hey, you literally just got to stay home with your kids if you've got kids <laughs> or your dogs or whatever. You know, like that's all you got to do. You know, it's it's not. A, you don't have like corpses floating in the holy river like india does you know you you don't yeah. have like attacks on on your human rights like it's happening in in, in palestine right mm-hmm. so I, I i think we are a little better off i dare say uh and nobody's getting complacent which is a good thing but everyone's just bitching a lot <laughs> yeah yeah I, that's how we, we get through it, I think. Well, I think that's something you have in common with Australians because we're, we're whinging so much about how we can't go on holidays or we can't get the vaccine we want. And it's like, guys, we have no COVID here. We can go to the movies. Just everyone just behave yourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, like, if yeah, you should never compare yourself, I think, to, you know, to everybody else. But I think even even in Australia, Singaporeans are like saying that, man, Australians have it so great. You know, they can go out to the country, they can drive out to the woods, they can, you know, go hiking and you know, we're stuck in our buildings. I'm like, hey, you know, everybody's got their own problems, right? You want to move to Australia, do that, right? You should have done that like 10 years ago, which a lot of Singaporeans did in yes. the past 30 years. Um, still, you guys, you guys would have better food in lockdown than we would. That's for sure. <laughs> Man, uh, well, we have cheaper food for yeah, sure. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not gonna I, I, look, man. I, I, I love, uh, I loved all my time in Australia, touring and working, but I'm not paying like twenty Aussie dollars for Singapore noodles, dude. Yes, like, not happen. <laughs> yes, I did love the. I did love spending three or four dollars for a luxa when I was in Singapore. That was an absolute highlight. There you highlight. go. <laughs> See, yeah, that's the that's the best part about this whole thing. The the food establishments remain open for takeaway, and I think that's a, a huge deal for the businesses here and also for uh, Singaporean mental health. Absolutely. Most importantly, yeah. I mean, I can't do. Uh, you're talking about laksa, like I can't do, uh, I can't do another month without like proper good Singaporean food, man. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, yeah. uh, let's wrap it up. What uh, anything to plug? So you're you're staying close to home, but are there any more Rishi reports 
going to be coming up online or, or anything else? Uh, yeah, man. I uh, we, We're going to continue shooting some videos from home uh, in mm-hmm. the current uh, very Pornhub webinar setup, <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> It's a good gig. You're doing OnlyFans yep. there if that doesn't work out, I guess. I could, right? <laughs> I just have to change the background color for, yep. for every episode. <laughs> we got yep. something yep. going. Uh, but yeah, man, we're going to continue shooting some episodes from home. Uh, we are in talks to stream some of the live shows that we shot over the past couple of months because we got them shot in decent quality. Uh, perhaps, you know, I mean, I didn't know this, but maybe... I was planning for a future lockdown and hopefully there'll be something for people to watch. Uh, hopefully from all over the world, people can tune in, you know, with really cheap online tickets uh, and, and and see what we're doing right here in Singapore. The news will be a bit outdated. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's still hopefully relevant. Brilliant. And is there a website? What's the best place for people to, to find all this? I would uh, recommend everyone to check out my Instagram page. It's at Rishi Budrani. That's just my full name, at Rishi Budrani. That's where most of the uh, updates go out, whether it's a Facebook Live or whether it's the, the new show. You'll find it at Rishi Budrani on Instagram. Terrific. All right. Thanks, Rishi. And um, our thoughts to everyone in Singapore. Uh, hopefully you hit this on the head and uh, out and about as soon as possible. And to you too, Dylan. Thanks a lot, man, for having me. Cheers. Thanks, Rishi. All right, everyone, that's News Fighters for today, May the 20th, 2021. News Fighters is written, presented, and produced by me, Dylan Bain, for Sans Pants Radio. A big thank you to Rishi Budrani for being on the show. Just remember, you can follow him on Instagram at Rishi Budrani. And hey, while you're there, follow us. We're on Instagram too, at News Fighters Pod. And also, just a reminder, sign up for our new Substack newsletter at our website, newsfighters.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep the dream alive. And bye for now. This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. Jane Heard Licker. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.